Welcome to the Art in Motion podcast, a conversation with artists on their life journeys and the sacred dimensions of their creative process. This is like a dream come true for me. Oh, to be really? able to, we've had so many conversations um, virtually and, and, and in person, but to actually be able to, to have like a public engagement with you is, uh, is a dream come true for me. Um, I love looking. Um, you know, I came across, I'm trying to remember now the first time I came across uh, your website and your work maybe three, four years ago now. And um, as I was looking, I believe it was your website, as I was looking at the different themes and sort of spiritual journeys that you're taking in your poetry and your plays and your music, I was like, this is sort of like me in an external mirror. It's just so surreal to see, to see this kind of uh, uh, vibe. And I was like, but he's in the UK. When am I going to meet this guy? He probably has a really thick British accent. There is no way I'm going to see somebody like that. And all of a sudden, maybe a year, two years later, I, I see you at the at the at the Durga at our Zawiya. Um, and so we met together in the heart of our spiritual guide, Molana Sheikh Hisham. May Allah preserve him. Um, and I'm I'm very blessed that since that moment, it's been uh, a friendship that just hit it off and a, and a creative vibe, even though we really see each other only like once every six months, maybe. Yeah, it seems to be. Um, but like with all, with all good friends, it doesn't need to be that often, right? It's, uh, it's Absolutely. Really, uh, whenever, Absolutely. whenever it's needed, we reconnect. And I guess this is the first time that we've done this, uh, publicly, but it's nice. Publicly. So, so, uh, what I usually do is I always ask, uh, the guests to begin with a prayer. Um, and if you can begin with a prayer in whichever medium you like, you can say a prayer, you can sing a prayer, you can play a prayer, you can dance a prayer, whatever you feel like it. Just like a, a couple of minutes. I'm not going to dance a prayer because it's too late for dancing. <laughs> so uh, I'll say a prayer. How about that? I didn't know you were going to do that. That's sweet. I like that. Inshallah. Okay, I'll do it in Arabic. Don't judge me because you're the Arabic speaker. Uh, I'll try my best. This is my favorite salawat. It's actually on the cover of my album, actually. Allahumma salli wa sallam al-a'ini rahmati rabbaniya wa liqutati al-mutahakikati al-ha'itati bimarkazi al-fuhumi wal-ma'ani wa nuri al-akwani al-mutatawwini al-admi sahib al-haqa rabbani. Arbarqi al-asda' بمزون الأرباه المائلة لكل متأردين من البحور والعواني آمين ونور كلام الذي مدأت به كونك إلهائت بأمكنة المكان المكان آمين اللهم صل وسلم على عين الحق التي تتجلها من أروش الحقائق عين المعرفة الأكوام والصراط كتامي الأسكام آمين اللهم صل وسلم على تلعتي حق بالحق الكنز الأزم إفاداتك منك إليك إهادة نور مترسم Amin, Amin, Amin. That's Joharat Al Kamali from the yeah. the, the Salawat of uh, Sidi Ahmed Tijani. It's an absolute yeah. view. Yeah, it's very, it's it's big in the Tijani community. But um, the first time that I heard Maulana reciting that, um, I was in Honduras in in Central America, in a, in a, what felt like the end of the world, the edge of the world. I was in this Garifuno community. Garifuno meaning um, it's uh, an ethnic uh, group within um, Honduras, which is African descendants, descendants. I was in a beautiful little, it felt like an island, but it was part of Honduras. And it was this little place called uh, Triunfolo de la Cruz, Triumph, Triumph of the Cross. Wow. And I was staying in Madame Panchi's uh, villa, uh, like place. She was like a, place she was this big amazing lady and she would catch fish and the fish i mean it was a cheap place i was on a budget the fish tasted like steak to the point that when i ordered it i, I had to tell her i'm sorry I, I can't eat this meat um i ordered fish she said it's fish it's fish wow it was the most beautiful 
fish and I ate it with the most humble and it was coconut and everything very thick. And after that, I realized, wow, everything is rich here. And I went back and I heard uh, our teacher recite that. Um, oh yeah. And I remember writing it down word for word um, and putting stars around the things because the way that he said it, the sounds within it. I mean, you guys don't know what it says. If you read the translation, I mean, maybe you do. You obviously do. Um, but people watching maybe do or don't. But if you read the translation, it's so unbelievably, uh, it's just very poetic. And I love the fact that it's not very direct. It's very indirect and it's very mysterious. And uh, it just gets me. I recite that a lot every day, actually. That's like my one that I go to the most. It's, yeah. like, a wondrous, it's like a wondrous journey into the heart of the Prophet that reality. Oh, it's too much, bro. It's too much. Um, <laughs> but for someone who's doing an interview with you, I should I should warn you that um, sometimes, and it's very relevant with you, I just don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. I just want to exist, to be, to feel this, to turn on the pink light that you've got, I've got on right now. Put the candles on, right? And I don't know if you can see that nice candle. And I just don't want to talk. It's just everything. Sometimes the beauty of, uh, of of creation, of being alive, of the gifts that we've been given, you know, not only as a, as a creative person on the surface of things that I do all these different things that I do, but no, the the gifts of being given uh, a path, having a having a clear path, yes. the responsibility that comes with that, but also just the joy of having it and the joy of having access to it, the the gratitude of having found. A teacher that you know i think everyone who's a seeker at some point has had that feeling like i wish i had a teacher and i yeah. I, I said that too many times back in the back in the days in my early 20s so um yeah it's amazing isn't it you just it's words words won't do it, it, it well that's okay because silence is a type of speech too so that's 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 completely fine if you choose well to be... I, yeah i was gonna say we can just look at each other but do you know what's funny um yeah Here's what's really funny. You're going to trip when you hear this. I'm looking right at the camera right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing your eyes because I know you quite well. I'm seeing you in front of me. But I'm yeah. using the rear camera on my iPhone because my front camera is busted. So oh, I wow. Can't, I can't see you right now, but I'm totally oh, seeing you. man. That is a trip. Wow. I'm seeing the back of my iPhone, but I'm, I'm seeing you, bro, right now. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh-huh. Never, I, I can't imagine what, that, what that's like. Um, Sorry to be so heavy with you, but it's a, it's a no, not at all. You just, you just, you just, you just be you. You just be, be, be Yoshi. You don't have to be. You don't even have to be Yosef Yosef Mazak. You just can be Yoshi. Just, just straight up Yoshi. Yoshi is great. Um, I want to. What I usually begin is by asking about the academic word for it is biography, but then the the more down to earth and up to heaven term for it, I think is um, just journey. Just basically what, what is your journey? Let's think about your spiritual path, your music and your poetry. Okay. If you can, if you can take us a little bit into your let's say, past whatever years you want to talk about, what has that been? Well, not to, uh, not to derail your question, but, you know, it's funny that over the years, and I've been active as an artist since, I would say, 2002, mm -hmm. about, so it's however many years that is. And I've done a lot of interviews, right? And I love them, and I love connecting with people, whether they're strangers or whether it's yeah. you. This is beautiful. But it's funny that, you know, you, you'll hear a question like that every now and then. And I'm like, well, it underscores the fact that I'm really not interested that much in talking about myself yeah. because, because it's like, yeah, it's what I'm doing that I find is what I want to bombard people with. So yeah, I could tell you all the stuff like, yeah, I was a young boy and I grew up in it, but yeah. really, um, no, all I could say is this, um, which I feel would be appreciated by you, is that there is a there is a uh, a beautiful light, okay, in everybody who's watching this, even if it's five people, ten people, I don't know who's tuning in right now. There is a beautiful light um, within us that is shivering and shimmering 
and glowing. And yeah. literally, most of us don't see it. And most of us are not perceiving it. Okay? Yeah. Even those of us who are in the arts, whatever the arts are, even those of us who are on the surface of things, kind, loving, whatever tags we want to put on it, liberal maybe, whatever, all of us, and I'm not excluding myself from this, the true extent of that light, which, mm -hmm. is, which is our real purpose, just going back to your biography question, our true mm -hmm. purpose in this life, um, the real extent of that to most of us is, is unseen. And when we get a glimpse of it, it, it could be a split second, it could be a moment, it could be a moment in your childhood and then never again for the rest of your life. When you get a glimpse of it, it's a big fuel. So all I would say is that um, what I've done in terms of my music, my art, my poetry, uh, the, the films, the visual stuff that I've done and the novels is, is I have sensed and sometimes been lucky enough to see that spark within mm. me okay that divine spark um it's difficult to talk about these things but you know you, you asked and i'm trying to give you a meaningful response yeah. um that would be beneficial for me to say so that i'm not repeating myself and also beneficial for people to hear so so that spark all mm. you need to do is get a whiff all you need to do is have a look yeah. at it once people meditate for years and they may not see it but if they get a whiff of it once it's enough and that will fuel you on that journey. And what that spark is, is it's kind of like who you really are. Yes. Right? Like the magma at the center of the earth, right? The, the lava that's at the center of the earth. And you can't see this thing. looks like magma, this thing that I was gonna hold up. So it's there, it's your true identity. And so that's all I'm doing. That's what my art is. It's like one man um, trying to find his truest self and right. digging and digging and digging, you know? And uh, I think for people who are on a path, uh, my art resonates with them. Um, yeah, and for people who are just into the specific genres of music that I sometimes delve into, then maybe they also they feel it too. But otherwise, I'm sure it's quite strange. <laughs> so, okay, so let's not, let's not focus on specific things. But let me ask you this. When I, or let me sort of preface that with a little story. Still when I was writing my, uh, my autobiography, uh, The Sukh of Nostalgia, um, truth be told, the story of that book began when I asked Maulana Sheikh Hisham for permission to write an article about the reality of Tasawwuf, about the reality of Sufism. And he told me, go ahead. And then and when I started to write, I found out I was writing about my own life. I was writing about my childhood, um, things that I had never sort of, I had taken for granted, but I had never delved deeply into them, um, especially a childhood before I was born again, so to say, yeah. um, spiritually. Yeah. And one thing I discovered is that there are recurring textures in that keep resurfacing in my life, like specifically a white courtyard of marble um, that existed when I was a child in, 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 in Baghdad and then in Jordan, Jordan at the local mosque. And then when I went to Medina, I found, I found the white courtyard of marble. Um, and then in, uh, in Mecca and then in Tuba in Senegal and so on and so forth. I'm just finding these. So I began to wonder what is, what is the, what is the significance of that? And then I remembered a movie with Ben Affleck called Paycheck where he plays the role of an engineer who, who invents a machine to, to predict the future. And against the wishes of his employer, he looks into the machine. And then he becomes a fugitive on the run. They're trying to kill him because he looked into the future. So what he does is he erases his memory. Um, but before, to er before erasing his memory, he leaves traces for himself in order to discover his identity and what's happened. Nice. So, with the, so he finds this thing here, this thing there, and he starts to remember basically what happened and who he is. So I began to wonder maybe recurring places and motifs and textures and smells and sounds and colors and in our life yeah. is like traces that our spirit left for us, that our spirits left for our bodies before we came down to earth. Um, yeah, beautiful. 
And then, and then it's like our bodies through these through reflection through mubaqaba, we rediscover. We we st- we try to remember who we are, and of course, you know, there is this connection between remember and remembrance. So I guess what I'm asking is that spark that you're you're mentioning, the spark of who you really are. How has it? And you don't have to mention specifics. You can talk about relationships. No, no, sure. um, how has it unfolded in the nitty gritty of life for you? Okay, interesting. Yeah, great point um, about the film. I'd like to see that. Um, ben Affleck in his very hit and miss. So yeah, I'd like. To, uh, but he makes some good ones. He makes. He seems to make a good one like once every seven years, I think. But um, no, I think uh, one of the most useful things is uh, well. There's this great line from. Um, Shabazz Palaces, Ishmael Butler, he's one of the best um, musicians. He's like a great poet of our times and not a lot of people know him these days or I guess in our circles. Um, he said, you've got to be there to be lucky. And I think really showing up for life, being, wow. con- being conscious, right? It happens every day. It happens in the things that you dislike and it happens in the things that you like, Okay. So do you remember the example that I always use in terms of finding your true self and following those clues? And, and to me, it's not almost like, it's, it was beautiful in that Ben Affleck example, he left his own clues. But yeah. for me, I'm, I'm more like, uh, I mean, you alluded to with Marakaba, with meditation. It's divine. God gave the clues to us. That's how I look at it. Like he left the clues for me. I don't know anything, right? But um, it's like God left the clues for me. And, uh, but what the, the example, the image that I remember when I was very young, I used to be very young, I used to watch uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yeah. Remember those? Remember when he, he would uh, smell something so nice from the kitchen? Yeah. And then he would have crazy violin music all dreamy and he would get yeah. up and he would just start floating towards that smell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, towards, this, towards the source of the smell. And I, I use this example in my poetry book, Left Gate Automatic, talking about Cyprus. Um, there is some sort of way in which when you like something, when you feel attracted to something, when you feel whatever it is turned on in some way by this great sound or this great vibe that you get from another person, it's all speak. It's, it's the divine speaking to us, right? Every day it happens every day, but you know, most of us are not always tuned in conscious in that moment to, to recognize it. Likewise, it happens with the things that we dislike. Um, you know, Jung would call that like the shadow stuff, shadow work. Yes. So it's very, very big. So basically, yeah, the signs are all around us. We just, we, we have to show up. We have to show up here and here yeah. every day. And when we do, we, we, we will pay attention to the signs. We'll see them. The good signs will tell us, hmm, this is something that's worth a string worth tugging on and exploring. And the bad signs will tell us this is not meant for you, but you usually have to go through those things anyway, right? Um, so I always find that when I'm telling other artists, so I, I do teach creative writing as well, and tell them like, find out what you don't like. Like I read a few books mm-hmm. by um, Haruki Murakami, Japanese guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't like them. Everyone was telling me how great they were. I read them and I just don't like this guy. He's too, uh, for me, he was like smart aleck, trying to prove how clever he was in his writing and it was too much of that kind of stuff. And there wasn't enough heart in it. And I just, yeah, I don't like this guy. And it was great. It was very empowering for me to say, I don't like this. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big deal for finding your voice as an artist, for finding yourself as a person. Um, it's like, what, what do I respond to? Because we're all different. And um, yeah. So I guess that's so, it. So it seems like you're saying it's a, it's a ma- being there. It's, it's like a matter of presence, right? It's a matter of, of, of hudur. You've got to be um, there to be lucky. To be, be there, to be, be, there lucky. to be lucky. You I'm reminded also, at one point in time, I was really interested in, in filmmaking and, and theater and all of that. Uh-huh. And um, I remember reading a book by Sir Michael Caine. Um, a great about, man. Great actor about the, um, about the craft, right? The craft of, of, of acting. The craft, as James Lipton calls it, the craft. Yeah. Um, and he was saying something. He said that if, if acting for you is a full-time job, then don't waste your time and don't waste the time of the craft. Right. He said, he said, acting is a way of life. Not that you act your way through life, but that, you know, if you're working eight hours or 12 hours a day on a set, 
you can't leave that character behind and when you go home it lives with you totally. it, it grows with you yeah right and totally. when i read that i remembered the the statement in in our tradition that sacred knowledge if you give it some of you it will give you nothing and if you give it all of you it will give you something <laughs> right because i think i think the you know like sacred knowledge or this whole process of the spiritual journey the path like creative inspiration we don't get to decide when it comes right like we have no hand no that i mean i think i think if there is a purpose behind the creative inspiration and this journey of creativity and the spiritual path is to to make you ready to make you be there always in order to to be lucky right yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, just it's presence, as you said, total presence and total here and now, and total letting go, letting right. go. Expectation. You want this? Well, I don't care. You may not get what you want. Rolling Stones. You may not get what you want, right? So, um, yeah, that's it. It's it's totally that detune. I always like that word detune. Like just detune, detune your strings. Un unpack your suitcase, let go of whatever it is that you've got written down, throw the papers away. You're not going to get what you want. And if you do, great. But the, there's such a wider field than what we yeah. perceive. It's, it's such a wider field. Like you said, that beautiful open marble space. It's Rumi talks about it a lot in his poetry. It's, it's, um, you know, there's like our eyes are closed to this vast field. Yeah, that is that is unimaginably um, magical, and so many things are going on under the surface of this material existence that we're in. There's like beautiful patterns and things happening, subterranean things, and in the in the air molecules that we can't see. It's like yeah. it's magic, man. All of it is magic, and. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting carried away, but it's just yeah. To be get tuned, away, that's good. Yeah, to be tuned into that, detune so that you can tune into that, and it's not even tuned in. It's like you don't need to do anything. It's it's there, but yeah, you have to put yourself in the place. You got to be there to be lucky. A good song. So there is there is this book here that I bought many years ago. It's actually part of a three book series called okay. um, God and Mystery in Words. Um, okay. it's by David Brown. Uh, who is a professor at professor of theology, aesthetics, and culture at uh, at the University of St Andrews, and he wrote three three volumes. One is God and Mystery in Words, God and Grace of Body, and God and Enchantment of Place. So, one of the things he I can't tell you how many times I've begun to read and never finished even one of these books. Um, that's why I put them right in front of me so that I can actually take that journey of, of reading them. But one of the things he mentions is that, um, so he's, he's, he's journeying back to traditional Christianity, right? Like to the, to the old school perception of the sacraments specifically. And he says that um, eating bread, for example, or drinking wine was not seen as a placeholder it was not seen as an empty metaphor, right? right? It was seen as a, what Ibn Arabi would call um, uh, uh, or, or expression or uh, uh, parable, which is actually from the word عبور, which means a bridge or a ma'bab, like a place of crossing over. Okay. So, so the idea being that this whole physical world is a metaphor. Dunya is a metaphor of akhirah, but it's not. It's not a metaphor that can be done away with. It's not dispensable, right? right. It, and, and David Brown, when he says it's like it's like actually uses the same terms that that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq uses about having one foot in paradise and one foot outside. He says the relationship of metaphor to reality is like having one foot here and one foot there. The metaphor keeps coming back to, to it's the medium of communication, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, right? Tran transferring, yeah. So, so it's like, 
it's like being there to be lucky. I think part of the luckiness is that, or like you mentioned what Molana Rumi says about the expansiveness, there is so many miracles and wondrous things, enchanting things happening under the sun, underneath the material world. But it's like, once you have a glimpse of that, the spark that you mentioned, it's like the whole physical world opens itself up to you, right? It becomes this like, you know, like what's that song of the Beatles? Um, the uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? Oh, yeah. It's like a kaleidoscope, right? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just enchanting whatever it is. It offers itself to you. There's that beautiful hadith about the, 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 about the, I love it actually, the prophet was, I think, walking away and he's, he's at, he stands by a mountain and he tells his followers to, to follow him, to come yeah. to him. And then yeah. their, their shadows are kind of running yeah. after them. And he's like, as long as you follow me or come towards me, or in other words, tread the spiritual path in life, then your shadows will follow you. In other words, he means like things in life, magical things will come to you. Everything yes. in the material world will come to you. But if you're chasing those shadows, if you're chasing that illusion, you'll never get it. You'll never reach it. Um, so yeah, there is that. It's, it's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, just let go and it'll come. Everything that you want comes when you let go. Um, you know, these are very abstract things, but, um, but they're real, they're concrete. They play a part in how we, and how we uh, have bad days or have good days. Yes. I, had a I had a crappy day today. Why? Well, you know, guy at the office was, you know, didn't, whatever, didn't do the thing that I wanted him to do. <laughs> sure. Right? So um, it's, it's funny. It's difficult. It's not easy. You know, it's not easy to, to remove desires, to remove wants. It's yeah. not easy. And in many ways, um, that's not always the answer. Sometimes the answer is to plunge into those things experience them and that's also difficult we get into a gray area there um but sometimes you have to go through these difficulties through these heavy things through these happy things that may not be good for you but are still nice and uh, you have to go through all this it's it's a rich varied textured experience um we've been thrown into here and um we have to stay open to it i feel like that's the biggest thing that we can do is just to have an open mind and it's an open heart and it's not it's not easy and that's kind of a lot a lot of what i'm doing a lot of the work that i do which includes my artwork but also how i interact with people uh, the meta stuff around my work um all of that is about breaking down people's scripts um because whenever i talk to someone i you know i'm i'm very much aware that well i become i I am aware when someone is giving me a script and it happens wow. very frequently. They're giving me their autopilot and I love people and I want everyone to be amazing and happy and beautiful. Let's, 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 let's go to the, unless you want to say something, let's go right into your work so that we can make sure to catch that, to capture that moment. Sure. Sure. Thank you. So letting go, um, the theme of letting go, I know from my childhood and the experience of diaspora that letting go is a huge part of that. And like with all things, letting go, especially in diaspora, diaspora is about letting go and being imprisoned in this nostalgia as well. Um, so there is like this longing that helps you grow, but you're, a part of you is also struggling with letting go and moving on, but that part of moving on is also having to do with nostalgia right i guess my question is twofold and you can answer you can explore whichever way you want um what is what how how is letting go for you part of your journey as a human being through nostalgia and then whatever that is how has your craft or crafts helped you express that? Or shall I say, how do you think your crafts help you express that in a way that no other means can? Yeah, cool, good. So the second one is music. The answer is music. Music is abstract, but music can transmute all these complex feelings of feeling disconnected from your 
heritage, feeling placeless, feeling who am I? Am I this? Am I that? Am I neither? Am I both? You know, in my case, Afghan, English, and now American. Um, yeah. But really, really mostly Afghan and English because that's where I was born um, and that's where I'm from. So, yeah, those things are tough, tough questions and not really answerable. At different points right. in my life, I've stumbled upon different answers. My most recent one, which my cousin and I spoke about in Kabul, um, recently, my cousin Hila, shout out, um, was that we're both. And she, you know, she was giving me a real kind of nice pep talk. She's like, well, you know, we're able to survive in both these cultures. We're both, we're not neither. Cause my thing was, oh, I'm, we're, I'm neither this nor that. It sucks, poor me, you know, and she was kind of uplifting me. We're both. Um, so anyway, either way, but music can help put, put sounds to that in a way that's very powerful. I know you heard my album, Dust of Time. Of yeah, so without words, exactly. So music and well, the first part of your question is, yeah, I was just talking to, so my next project, I think I mentioned it to you briefly, is called Beidar. It's a, a trio, me, of uh, Farah Sadiq, who's an Afghan um, multidisciplinary healer and lots of different things. She's pretty amazing. And Sitora, who's like a plant medicine um, expert and practitioner, and myself as whatever I am. Uh, it's a kind of a triangle thing where we're trying to do a lot of stuff with the diaspora community, with the Afghan community, in terms of reaching back to our past, reaching back to our traditions um, in spiritual ways, in creative ways, in medicinal ways, healing ways, and awakening that. Uh, Bedar mm -hmm. means wake, awaken. Uh -huh. Trying to awaken that. So really, uh, one of the things that Farah was just telling me today, actually, uh, was beautiful, beautiful. Um, leave the tribe. You have to leave the tribe consciousness in order to come back, in order to come back, and yes. come, back, come back with medicine. So, you know, I think that that's, that's been a part of my whole, that diaspora experience. Um, it really rang true uh, when she said that to me today. Um, it was, it was that experience. It was, you know, going away, knowing that I could be in this little box as good little Afghan English kid, yeah. but, but knowing that I didn't really feel that. And so for me, I'm all about how I feel and I'm a Pisces, right? So whatever yes. I feel, okay, as you always say, I'm such a Pisces. So I had to drop that in. Um, because the reflection so, of me were like, you know, Pisces power. That's the way it works. Yeah. So, so really, that's what it is. You know, it's like I felt that I was being limited in the terms of growing up as, you know, as an English person, as an Afghan person, and knowing that I was not able to be. Let me, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you kind of like a last question. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, going back to, to my experience of, of my autobiography, one thing, one humbling sort of realization I came to is that um, the places from my past, either they exist physically still or they don't. Like my, my, the, the, the apartment I grew up in, my parents' apartment still exists. My grandparents' house okay. doesn't exist. But even those places that exist physically, I realized after writing them that what I'm actually longing for is not the physical space, but my experience of it. And my experience of that physical space is tethered to who I was at the moment that I experienced it. So... Like a child, you know, as children, we sort of view everything around us like a canvas. And I think that's what Picasso meant when he said, you know, when they asked him, how do you draw? How do you paint? He says, I try to think like a child. That there is this type of innocence and laid backedness and no fear of just jumping into the abyss. You just don't think yeah. about it. You just do it. Um, yeah. That... There is too much mind, you know, like, like Maulana Sheikh Hisham and Maulana Sheikh Nazim always say, too much mind. There is too much mind here when we grow up that we're unable to just jump into things. So it was a humbling thought for me because it's like, um, I'm longing for these places, but what I'm longing for is actually my memory, my memory of them. And then right, right. this is where the letting go happened. The letting go came in It's like, that's okay. That's, that's perfectly fine. You're longing for the memory, and the memory is good enough. 
um, because because that's that's sort of that's that's you. That's 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 a very visceral sort of part of who you are that you can uh, resurrect, so to say, through through dhikr, right? Through remembrance, remembrance, rem do remembrance to remember, so on and so forth. Um, how does for you? How does how do your memories function as part of your imagination? Wow, it's a beautiful, deep question. Um, as part of my imagination. Well, that, you know, I, I think of um, that thing that you talked about, your constant memory of um, those you saw as a kid. And I've had, I have equivalent things, right? There for me, there was images of, um, you know, when I was very young, images of just um, dreams, actually very strong dreams of him that helped lead me onto the spiritual path. Wow. Um, yeah, very, very strong that stay with me. So some memories, they persist. Like those memories that are strong, they're like foundational um, aspects of your memory that were given to you, and especially when they occur at childhood. If they're dreams that I have from childhood, which I still remember, um, they're important. And so whenever I now, as a, as a man in my, you know, elder years, I'm elderly now. So now um, as I'm trying to do things and tap into my imagination sometimes those grand themes those old memories will come back in and they'll play a part and they'll be in the undertones of the or in the undertones of the theme of the novel or the poem or whatever it is um but it's not always like that you see because the beautiful thing about uh, art is if you go back to presence again you're really present now when you're really present in a moment when you're writing a poem whatever it is that's coming through as a, as a vehicle as an empty vessel i'm like there is that um there is that wonderful flowing and a lot of it is new right uh, a yeah. new creation every every second right as 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 it is happening as we talk, talked about alluded to the wonder that's happening at every second so yeah there's memory that kicks in through that imagination world that i'm you know channeling i guess um but there's also newness there's freshness and i would say there's maybe a little bit more of that and the the foundational memories are only um i mean they're in a way they're always there so it's kind of like it's as much with you as the timber of my voice is with me you know as sure. you know it's you can't escape it it's like your shadow like your memories uh, i think there's a country music singer once that said we're just a bunch of memories that's what we are which i thought was yeah. pretty beautiful i forget country music singer because they all sound like they have the same name but you know randy something or Randy Travis, I don't know if it was him. Sounds like him. Anyway, um, or is that a wrestler? I forget. Anyway, um, so yeah, that stuff is always there. It's it's yeah. there. But yeah, I, I find that it's like a sprinkling of herbs. You know, there's fresh herbs and then there is stuff that you might get from a, from a little pot. So it's a mixture. But what a wonder. What a wonder to be alive and to be able to express these things and to be able to have the ability to do it. Jeez Louise. Wander, wander to wonder. Wander to wonder. wonder. So I needed, to, I needed to keep it light. When I kept it light, the connection stayed. So I needed to keep it light. That's my lesson. So um, when about two years ago, I asked Molana Sheikh Hisham, Allah preserve him, I asked him, I was going to go to speak at an event about the intersection of art and spirituality. And I asked him, uh, what is the, I actually didn't ask him. I just told him, this is what I'm going, I'm asking permission and grace and blessings because I'm going to speak about sure. this topic. And uh, he paused, he said, art and spirituality. He said, spirituality is all art. And art is all spirituality. He said, you need good taste to be in a spiritual, on a spiritual path just as you need good taste to appreciate good art. So, it's oh, amazing. I mean, you know, for me, I can't think of someone, there are very few people that I can ask them this question. In the three years that I've been with, uh, or five years that I've been with Molana Sheikh Hisham, at least in the physical sense, um, I've discovered that what's unique about him is that, and by extension, what's unique about Molana Sheikh Nazim, 
is their ability to not only make one of their disciples' artistic talent thrive, but to actually use their art and their craft as the means through which to teach them. Um, and that, when I right. realized that, I realized that it's actually the highest level of, of being a spiritual guide. To be able to guide artists. Because artists, by their very nature, they're very combustible, right? Um, they're very sensitive. They're very subtle. Um, they can be all over the place at once. I mean, you know, especially if you're Pisces, we're like fishies. We were, we're going, going, and then we get attracted to something, and we just, you know, we're like Dory. We just, like, look in the side, and then we go into the depth of the ocean. We forget our way. Um, yeah. But it's, and it's a subtle thing. It's not only about, like, do your art, but then make sure to pay attention to your to your other duties. It's like, no, your art becomes your the means through they communicate to you, through color, through words, through sound. I don't know, I'm sure you've had this, but you can even, he'll even come to you in muraqaba and they will tell you, they will, they will give you like a, like, a, like a creative writing workshop. In a, in a minute or two, they will give you a sound check in a minute or two. You know, use this color, use this sound, try this note, try this word arrangement, rearrange this verse, so on and so forth. And this happened to Imam Busayri when he was writing the Buddha. The Prophet ﷺ came to him in his sleep and told him how to write one of the verses. Yeah. And so I think the natural question to ask and it's not really a question, it's, 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 I mean, if there is one question that you, you'd find difficult to answer, it's this one. What, you know, what, what has Maulana's teachings and presence in your life as an artist? Or we can say, describe somehow. Think, think of this question as, as a commission, an art commission piece. I'm asking you to make an album. I'm asking you to, to do a painting. I'm asking you to write a poem. But just try and do tawaf around the question, whatever it is, to just hint towards it, even with one word of what that's like. Because what I just told you is, is the closest I can come to. I can't even do it justice. I don't think anybody can. But Yeah, yeah what you said is is beautiful like if you say that you your guide molana is coming to you and saying try this try that um which you know is so when i'm making music or whatever i'm doing um you know it's a very subtle point that we're about here but yes. when i'm doing it it's kind of it's automatic so I'll know to put the sound, I'll know to do that. I can't tell whether that's me, whether that's, you know, evidently, you know, my guides working through me, which I'm, I know it is, I'm not conscious of that. Right. Um, and I think, I think I can't be the way that I, I can't be because right. I'm a vessel. At that point, I'm a vessel, I'm transparent. So I can't really have that meta thought. Sure. Or at least I'm not. My brain is not wired that way. Like you're, you're an intellectual as well as an artist and you have that side where you can do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can do that. So it's for me very much the creative state is a state of flow. So I don't know where those inspirations come from, really. I know that it's divine for sure, obviously. Um, you know, you sit back and you look um, and then you, you know that it's divine when you look at what you've done and you think, how the hell did I do that? How the, right. how the heaven did I? How the heaven did I do that? There's no way that I could have done that. And this amazing thing came through me, this wonderful idea. I, I'm not capable of any of this, right? This is not me. I'm not that good. <laughs> I may be good, but I'm not that good. So it's evident that it's divine, but the extent to which, you know, it's their angelic being working through you, whether it's your ancestors ushering you on, whether it's your spiritual guide, if you're lucky enough to know who that is, it's... Again, it's one of those situations where I feel almost like it's it's unsafe for me personally to to venture into that world because I would just be guessing and and 
another great Shabazz line. It's like people are stressing about stuff they should be sure they're guessing. That's a great line mm. in a hip hop song. People are stressing about stuff they should be sure that they're guessing. It's a guess. I don't know what's going on. To me, I'm blind, but it's great blindness. Right. Okay. I'm in. I'm in that black room, and I'm making music in a in a dark place, and it's wonderful because I just it's it's coming through me, and I don't know what I'm doing. And at the end of it, I look back at it, and I come out of this. It's a meditation, really. Come out of it, and it's done now. Yes. I, I, I got it done somehow. So wonderful feeling, but when it's there, I'm pressing pause on everything conscious, really, at least when I'm doing it well, which is, which I, most of the time I'm doing that. I have to press pause on everything that's analytical right. uh, or, even, or even aware of my own thoughts, pretty much. Yeah. So it's- Wow. And that's remarkable like because, because we're talking about being present and yet we're talking about turning off parts of ourselves that can be a distraction to that presence. Yeah, you have to. You have to. There, it's, I always think of it in terms of the, uh, the switch. If you have an older car, yeah. I don't know if they do this anymore, but that little, little switch, you either let the world, you either block out the air from coming yeah. in. I yeah, love yeah. that. So whenever I'm around certain types of people, uh, if they're pretty negative or whatever I can feel that vibe, there's a switch in my, whoop. okay, don't receive this energy right now. Or sometimes when I'm going out into the world, um, just generally, like I switch that switch on and I, I'm with people, but you know, my heart is safe. It's, it's where it needs to be. Even I'm crossing the busy street in the city. Wow. I'm connected. I'm connected here. Right. So it's okay. I've switched off that thing somehow. So it's like, I can see it, I can smell it, but really if you're not present with it, it doesn't reach you and a protective bubble that we have to keep over ourselves, which another part we haven't talked about spiritually and creatively is that you have to, yeah. you really have to cocoon yourself. And yes. just, like we're, just like we were talking about earlier, having to leave the tribe and come back, which is very difficult to have to your own culture and, and you know expand beyond it in order to come back and help it. It's also very difficult to, to um, insulate yourself in that way because it requires isolation, which you know most of my, I feel like, most of my life has been in places like this that I've made very cozy and homey, but places where I create and it, it's difficult, you know, because you have to leave behind. That's true. Find a lot of things that you would like as a person, you know, leave conveniences, a lot of things I would love to have, a lot of nice little things that I can't have those things because I'm, I, my square focus is on this, is, is on this thing in front of me, this beautiful mission that i have to you know like indiana jones i've got i've got no whip but i'm just like on this archaeological dig here and i got to keep going and so there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made in that you know but it's all good in the, in the end right there is there is a there is a ted talk by um one of my favorite authors writers of all time elizabeth gilbert um and it's called your elusive creative genius and um oh, wow. somebody told me about that talk maybe five years ago when I was giving a retreat. And when I saw that TED Talk, I, was, I just immediately fell in love with, with the woman's writings and her, and her vision. And it's basically the idea that um, in, in Greek times, in Roman times, a, a genius was not an adjective that was given to a person. Um, so you would never say Plato is a genius. You would say Plato has a genius. And the genius is basically a genie. It's like a muse, a spirit that accompanies an author or a philosopher or a creative person and inspires them uh, with all their work. And she, be, she started talking about the consequences of feeling in our present day and age that we actually own our creative genius. So she would quote, um, for example, the writer Norman Mailer, who said that every book I've written, it killed me, it killed me a little bit more. Um, oh. And then other writers or other authors, one of whom she mentioned, and is just such a beautiful description of the creative inspiration. She says, I see the creative inspiration when it comes to me like a train coming straight at me, rolling down a hill. And... Oh. 
what I try and do is I have to run back to my house and catch it with my pen and paper. And sometimes I barely catch it, but it do I don't catch this story linearly. I catch it backwards. I catch it from the tail right. to the front. Um, right. And she said other musicians, they'd be driving in their car and they'd hear the creative inspiration come to them and they actually get mad. They address the creative inspiration. They're like, can't you see I'm driving? What do you think I'm going to be able to do right now? Right. What, what do you think I can do right now? Come back later or go, go, go visit another musician, another artist and, and, and give them, you know, uh, take that inspiration to them. Um, what responsibility do you think an artist has towards their craft? As Harold Pinter said, no one's crying for you. You're good. But it's a tough road. Uh, after that, it's kind of easy. I feel like after that, all you have to do is just keep going. Yeah. Right? Jim Morrison said it once in one of his later interviews, like, just keep working on your craft. And there'll be times when you're in, you know, people like you, times you fall out of favor. And just keep going. That's what uh, he said. And it's really that simple. Once you know what it is that you, that you love, yeah. just do it. Just do it, right? Tolstoy, if you want to be happy, just be, be, do. Just, that's it. There isn't really much genius to it. It's difficult if you haven't made the initial thing. Because yes. what, what I'm talking about is that, that initial thing, which I did from a very young age. It was maybe, I don't even know when the lights went on. I think it was like 12 or something. But something changed in me, and I just couldn't stop after that. I, I wrote one sentence on my mom's old Macintosh computer. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was consumed by this sentence. Uh, I've told the story once or twice before, but it was the first creative thing that I think I ever wrote. I saved it on a three and one of those floppy disks. Yeah. And I was, I was ashamed that anyone would see it. And I, I took it away and I hid it in a shoebox behind the cupboard in the hardest place to find in my bedroom. And it eventually fell behind there and I, I never saw it again. But the point is that, um, you know, since that time when I first felt this longing to, to express something creatively i haven't really looked back and so that's the initial thing that you have to do orient your life such that you are now facing this thing that you say that you love that you get pleasure from doing you know like my bedroom for since 2002 2001 my bedroom has been my studio so i've had my music next to the place where i sleep okay um not everyone's cup of tea i guess if, if you think about that right but sure these are the things these are the things I'm talking about, right? Um, always having a pen, always walking around with a, a thing to write on. I'm never mad if I, if I get an idea and it's, I'm driving. You know what I do? I s stop. Wow. <laughs> I say, thanks, idea. Yes, of course. To hell with this car. That's the other paradigm. That's the other vision of how to treat, of how to treat yeah. that, 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 that thing that's coming. Divine guest. Yes. Divine guest, right? Come, come, come again. So I, I just over or I'll just carry on driving and I'll just try and risk my life by trying to type it in, right? So, sure. um, so that's what, what it is. But once you, you know, it's, it's a, it is a responsibility, but it's more than that. It's a joy. Yeah. Tap, into the joy tap into the joy of being able to do that. Because if you don't have that and you just look at it as a responsibility, then you, maybe you're taking yourself too seriously. And I did that in the past. Yeah. You know, I used to go on about it when I was going through hard times personally. I was like, this is artist life. It's not easy. It's this and it's that. And I'd go on and on about the sacrifice. But, you know, that was because I was also going through a tough time and I was actively sacrificing a lot of that time. Maybe I hadn't fully reconciled myself to that. You know, mm -hmm. it takes a long time to do that. So, so yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Woo! And do, you think, do you think that that's gratitude? I mean, do you think if, if because it's a gift? It's gratitude. The perception, yeah. the perception that this is going on, that this expansiveness is there, which we can call the artistic yeah. process, the creative process, the artist, the artist's way of life, the artist's way of being, is to perceive this openness, this thing that's, that's there that we're participating in. We don't own we're we're, we're drops in the rain what is it what's that song um uh dust in the wind the famous song dust in the wind bob dylan uh, blown in the wind 
Not 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 Dylan's blowing in the wind. No, the 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 song uh, "Dust in the Wind." All our it's lives familiar, is dust. I... yeah. All our lives yeah. is like dust in the wind. Something like that. But yeah, it's a gift it is, to be able to have that perception and to recognize now to recognize that it's actually not something innate to you, but it's something that's given to you. That perception of your gift is another gift. Oh, because man, because yeah. you can be a self-indulgent artist where you think you know you know like I have all of this this is me this is this is what I have nobody else has it um, then it becomes a poison yeah. which is actually the German the German meaning of gift which is poison um, oh well, gift and curse right, right is gratitude then to keep going to do it in the good and the bad is that what what you think I mean yeah. I guess I'm asking, what is gratitude wisdom, in, for the it, artist? Um, so it's totally that. It's gratitude. It's wisdom too, though, right? It's like, yeah. you know, I think um, the, the, one of the beautifulest uh, descriptions of cruelty was from Sheikh Nazim, Maulana Sheikh Nazim. He said, cruelty mm -hmm. is, when, is when something is in its wrong place. Wow. Wow. Zulm. That is cruelty. Okay, and he gave examples of, you know, um, whatever. He gave a lot of great examples. He's like, you know, when a nice, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is when something's in its wrong place, that is cruelty. So what is, what is justice, maybe, if you want to call that yeah. the opposite of cruelty? Okay, what is the opposite of cruelty? Kindness, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, it's something positive. <laughs> um, so what is that? It's when things are in their right place. Yeah. And if you are an artist, if you're meant to be making music, if your thing is music, if your thing is writing, if that's what makes you happy, do it. And if you're not doing it, you know, I mean, Lauren Hill said this. I sampled Lauren Hill on one of my tracks. Uh, it's called No One Can Will. I don't know really what it means, but it's one of my favorite tracks. It's mostly instrumental. And I sampled this great Lauren Hill quote from her live Unplugged album. It's pretty famous, I guess. She says, that's what praising God is all about. It's doing your passion, wow. you know, fulfilling your, fulfilling your passion. That's how we praise God. That's how we say we are thankful for the opportunity to be alive. God, it makes me emotional when I remember it. She was, wow. she is so amazing. So Lauren, so, I mean, yeah, you know what you're doing, you know what you love, then just, man, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know, you have to do it. There's no, there's no other, <laughs> there's no other excuse. You know, you're going to be an old man one day and you're, you're yes. not going to be happy if you're looking back, you know, and looking yeah. back and saying, oh, I should have died. I mean, I refuse to do that. That's my thing. So, so I refuse to leave a stone unturned, right? Socrates, unexamined life ain't worth living, ain't worth jack. So uh, I'm going to turn over every stone. And I think um, I keep doing that in the hopes that other people will see my obsessiveness and be... Yes hopefully and hopefully inspired to to do the same thing for themselves because you know there is a performative aspect of what i do and how i as i said earlier how i communicate about what i do like what we're doing right now communicating about what i do is just as much letting people see that i'm inspired is just as much important as letting them hear my new album yeah. dark mirrors are available now on spotify so um it's just as important because then they can see oh this is something worth doing. I have a feeling that when people see someone happy, they, and if they're maybe not as happy, they kind of aspire to that. I think when the Beatles met the Yogi Maharishi Yogi, they, I think Paul McCartney said, we were really impressed by the fact that he was just happy yeah. and he was always smiling. <laughs> Great, what a beautiful to say. And how spot on. And that's how I felt when I met um, Sheikh Nazim. It was the same thing. Like This is a genuinely delighted, happy, older gentleman who is just in enraptured and, and well, i'd like to be like that when i'm older yeah. so you know that's the responsibility we have too man it's to to, to share this to first feel this joy i'm not going to give it unless i'm doing it so yeah. that's why i'm so happy to, to be joining for this to have joined you for this interview because it's to it's my pleasure to transmit transmit right? yeah my pleasure too my pleasure more than yours whoa but I think, so, I think, yeah. I think that's, that's the, right. That's the key. Like for me personally, nowadays, I feel like most of my writing is not only, it's more for artists. Much of my work is for artists more than people who yeah. enjoy it. Um, it's very inspiring. Yeah, I get that. You, you're very much on that meta. Well, not that meta, but slightly just above the, 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 that 
it is meta, I guess, in a way. Yeah, and I get a lot of inspiration from some of the stuff that you share. It's beautiful. And, and, it's really and beautiful. actually what I'm interested in is, like you said, I'm very, I want to know how someone like you goes from something as mundane as a cup of coffee to an album, right? How do you go from, what's the process of translating the ineffable into effable? And back again, you know, like Bilbo Baggins here, 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 and back again. You're, we're starting from. It could be, it could be something completely abstract. Nothing instigates it. Nothing encourages it. Nothing tickles it in the physical world. But oftentimes, it's the smell of coffee. You know, like because for me, I'm a coffee addict. It's the smell of coffee will take me somewhere. I'll imagine something, and all of a sudden, this opening will happen, and then. I am now in the stratosphere, and now I have to translate back this, wherever I am, I have to come back and drag this meaning with me, or, you know, write it, or, or pray that it carries me back into some form of expression in the land of, of language and, and, and color and sound and what have you. So, like, when I think about you and your work, um... As I've told you before, you're probably the most eccentric artist I've ever met in my life. Um, so you're, you're definitely the most eccentric artist that I've ever met in my life. And because of that, I am just oh my God. so overwhelmed by this creative energy, you know, like the force flowing through you. Um, <laughs> divine man into, into these into these into these uh into these albums so i guess i wasn't asking a question i was just sort of expressing myself but i what i wanted to say is that you know i can't tell you how how rejuvenating uh this conversation has been simply because i wanted to know about this really just the creative process i think I think that if we have more conversations on the creative process of artists, then we might actually discover it's not so much different than a spiritual opening. It's actually the same. Um, yeah. It's just an experience that takes place in color, in sound, in word, in food, in martial art forms, in gardening, in, in whatever it is. Um, yeah, but yeah, you have last last word. Oh well, thank you so much for those words, man. I appreciate it. It really means a lot to me that you say that, and uh, it's very, very, um, it's very beautiful. So thank you. Um, yeah, and, and by I mean, the way, I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we began with Ben Affleck, and then we went into country music, and we ended with Radiohead's "Everything in Its Right Place." Everything in its right. I was thinking of that. I didn't say it, but you said it. So there you go. You went on right. Um, and I've got my harmonium right here. I'm going to have to do a cover of that one day. It's such a beautiful song. So, yeah, um, yeah man, I just, uh, I'm a coffee guy too. And uh, it's, uh, it's all there in the music, bro. That's all I can say. It's all there in the music. I'm, I'm happy if people hear my music. I'm happy if they uh, get something from it. I just heard a guy today who was telling me that he really loved the skit on my album where there's like a four-year-old me talking to my mom, which is like his favorite part of the album. Wow. And I'm, Initially, like, what? You don't like any of the music? You like that part? But then I was like, oh, I reminded myself that, oh, my, whatever I'm doing is going to reach every single person in a, such an interesting and different way. And that's such a great feeling to have your stuff out there. Um, and I'd just say to everyone who wants to do creative stuff right now that um, I think I saw this somewhere uh, or maybe I heard it in, in my void. But uh, having something done and out there in the world is better than having something that's perfect. Uh, so get it out there. Whatever mm -hmm. you do, express it. Um, don't wait because you you know you might not wake up tomorrow. Yeah. So um, get it out. Get it out there. I, you heard it from me. I said it. You have no excuse. <laughs> thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough for this incredible conversation. It was like thank a meandering path through connections and disconnections and vibes and tribes and and reconnection all, all in between um thank you so much i always look forward to hearing your music hearing your inspiration and more than that seeing you in person um yeah.
with a good camera, your eye is better than this camera. Yes, yeah. we're going to have to do another conversation when you get your new iPhone. Oh, I can't wait. I look forward to it. It's going to be so fun. Thank you so <laughs> much. You have been listening to the Art in Motion podcast, part of the Nostalgic Remembrance Initiative, exploring the sacred dimensions of the creative process to cultivate our inner artistry.